Welcome everyone to Raw Sports episode 12. Myself, Ahmed Al-Huli, and my co-host, Mr. Tony Sheehan. We come to you live on YouTube every single week, actually twice a week now. Um, we break down the world of sports, give controversial opinions. We keep it raw, nice, and simple. Tony, how are you, buddy? How's things? Good morning, Ahmed. And in addition to that fantastic introduction by you, we also break the biggest news in the world. There you go. We've been doing that a lot recently, actually. We have. Um, well, we have an action-packed episode. This one's going to be a long one. Lots to talk about. Australia, Sydney, New South Wales hosted UFC 293. What an event. Huge upset. Australia now is the home of the two biggest upsets in UFC history. Holy Home versus Ronda Rousey, where I was sitting Cape Side. I witnessed history. And... <laughs> <laughs> Sean Strickland, also one of the biggest upsets. He was a massive, massive underdog. Um, and he pulled it off, Tony. Unbelievable. Oh, you know what? I have incredible newfound respect for Sean Strickland. What a gun. He spoke a good game. He's a very good self-promoter. He promoted UFC 293 in Sydney, which went ahead on Sunday. Uh, enormous crowds, great atmosphere, and managed to pull off the unthinkable by beating Israel Adesanya in five rounds. What an absolute star. Adesanya had no, no answers whatsoever. He could well, not get going. Nothing. Yeah, Literally. exactly. And the other thing is Strickland's right-hand punch to the jaw of Adesanya in the first round basically set the tone for the next five rounds. And How beautiful was it? Mate, look, I think a lot of people were shocked. But as I said, just to reiterate, Strickland should be thanked by Dana White for putting on such an amazing performance, both outside of the ring and inside the cage on Sunday. And again, they followed through, which you can discuss in a second, how the fight nearly progressed after the belt was awarded in the cage to then in the rooms afterwards. Well, before that, I mean, Dana wasn't too happy. Or was uh, this? It ruined all, all his plans, literally. But, well, 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 think about it. Fans, what happened then? Sorry? Tell the fans what happened then. No, no. I'm referring to the fact that he won. He ruined all their plans. Because... What, Adesanya to win? Yeah, because Adesanya can take him to Nigeria, hold a huge UFC Africa... And literally go go ballistic. Sean Strickland is one of the most controversial figures in, in the UFC. Says the things that nobody wants to hear or nobody wants to say, actually. And everybody wants to hear what he's got to say. Yes, now they do. But they didn't at the start. He's, he's a walking hazard. He's calling up fans to his open work and he's, and he's, and he's sparring with them. He's, he's walking around punching fans in, in the stomach. <laughs> I saw that. I'm surprised. You know what? I hate to be um, a stick in the mud, but I'm actually surprised more wasn't made of that. And I know Strickland apologised, but to hit a fan was like beyond measure of normality. Well, they had to literally give him a bodyguard and keep him with him the whole time because he was getting out of hand. So, oh, so you know what? So, if I was the Premier of New South Wales, Chris Minns, I would be incredibly happy with Dana White's um, UFC 293 out at Kudos Bank Arena in Sydney. Absolutely, he is anyway, because he committed pre the election to $16 million of funding to bring UFC events to Sydney. And he's doing that for the next three years. They'll be coming down every single year and the fights will be there. So, but, but is Robbie Whitaker going to get a shot at the. One of the next UFCs down under? I don't think he'll get a shot at the, at the middleweight title anytime soon because there's that South African. Uh, yep, yeah, that is that should be next in line. But I don't know. I, a he, lot of the talk. He pulled out. No, he didn't pull out. He couldn't make the turnaround because he had an injury in that fight, apparently. Oh, yeah. No, he wasn't scheduled, Tony. I thought that he was next in line. And then due to injury, he couldn't fight. 
Yeah, but when you pull out, it's like like you're scheduled and and he gets but the, the conversation never ever even happened. Okay. Because they knew he was he was injured. My apologies, Ahmed. I know you're the king of the UFC in this country. No, no, no. It was just just making things clear so people don't think that he did. That's all it is. Anyway, um, back to the hardcore matters of Sunday. You, I mean, you are incredibly business minded. We know that you have other podcasts in the business fraternity. Take us inside as to what Sydney and New South Wales and Australia would have benefited from from Arasanya v Strickland. Let's just put it that way. The gate was the highest ever in that arena's history, $10 million. Yeah, kudos, Bank Arena. Yeah, $10 million gate. So that, that compares to, I think, like a Taylor Swift, a Justin Bieber. No, no, it's the highest ever. Yeah, but I'm just trying to compare that others yeah. listening to us turn around and say, who else would have been at Kudos Bank Arena? And some of the biggest names in entertainment have performed there. And then we're talking about UFC 293 with two, by world standards, considerably, no, I shouldn't say considerably, but um, understandably not household names. And this is what they've been able to achieve. This is fantastic. What well, are you saying is he's not a household name? No, I'm talking about world entertainment. So when we compare Israel Adesanya to a Justin Bieber or a Taylor Swift or a or an Adele, they are relatively unknown. But in the world of sport, yes, Adesanya is a very big name. Yeah, for sure. He's got millions of followers. I mean, it's it's absolutely insane. So, you know, but anyway, let, let's go back to the economic aspect. Um, if we look at the economic aspect that, that the UFC brings, so if we look at Western Australia, it was estimated that the total impact of the event on Western Australia's economy was about $42 million, and uh, which is $29.8 million well, US. What's Western Australia got to do with it? Well, I'm just taking you through the, the whole. Like, I'm going to take you there, and I'm going to bring you back to, back to Sydney. Yeah, but understand? you've got to use it in context. What's Western Australia got to do with Sunday's fight? We're talking about the economic impact that the UFC has on New South Wales. Yeah. So on Sydney itself, it had a $50 million impact based on the numbers that it came out. Yep. If we compare it to Western Australia in the middle of nowhere, where I'm trying to be nice and polite here. <laughs> it was a it was a $29.6 million impact um US dollars impact. So look if if we look at the UFC as a business now, they're coming into town. And they're really, you know, bringing a lot of value. So for, 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 for Chris Means to pay the $16 million, he's getting that every time they come, they're bringing in 50, 50, 50. That's a very good return on investment. I would think so. Oh, I totally agree. I'm still perplexed as to what Western Australia has got to do with it. It's just, just an example of the impact that the UFC has had on states in Australia. It's had nothing to do with it. Are you talking about the UFC... Um that was in Perth. Yes, the economic impact. Yes. Very well. yes, of course. I'm saying the economic impact the UFC has on states and has had on states in Australia. And why I said Western Australia, because one of the biggest events happened earlier in the year with Volkanovski and Islam. See? Now people understand what you're saying. There you go. I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm missing a few little minor details. But that coffee's gone to your head. Maybe. But anyway, so not sure why this, this uproar in um, against means bringing the UFC and committing the, the, the $16 million if there's that $50 million return. I don't, I don't really understand that, to be honest with you. And when you're breaking gate, you're breaking gate history, you're breaking records, like 20,000 people filled the arena, trying to get a ticket for that thing was crazy. There were some people selling tickets for $10,000. Well, that is oh, look, I've got to take my hat off to Chris Minns and the um, New South Wales State Government. I think their foresight has been fantastic. And you know what this has done by extension, Ahmed? It's inadvertently killed boxing in Australia. It's killed boxing everywhere, not, not just in Australia. No, but I'm talking in terms of the specificity of UFC 293. Boxing in this country 
is dying and people are flocking to the UFC. But there's still this there's still a young man by by the name of Tim Zhu. He's still he's he's kept it alive. I, I understand that. Yeah. Tim Zhu's a fantastic fighter, and there are other fighters in Australia who are still coming through the ranks, but Boxing was an incredibly powerful sport a decade ago in this country. UFC, since its introduction into the world sporting arena, has just annihilated boxing. Too many people, whether it be theatre-goers or hardcore boxing fans, don't trust the outcome of boxing anymore. Well, it's funny that you mentioned I was having this conversation with someone from that world and would about how how rigged it is and look it's the truth it's disgustingly rigged uh, you know to the uh the way the ring is set up to how the yeah it's all it's all anyway we'll keep going the ufc's boss yeah huge huge play huge play in sydney australia well done to Strickland. Well done to all those that gained victory. Um, we'll keep going. All right. Uh, um, but what, um, and I wanted to make mention of um, AFL legend Ben Cousins was spotted in the audience on Sunday for the Strickland Adesanya fight. He looks great. He's working for Channel Seven in Western Australia, and I think it's the first time he's been allowed out of the states of his own accord. I think in at least maybe five or six years. So congratulations to Ben Cousins. Good to see him in Sydney and good to see him cage side. Well done, Ben. Next time you're in Sydney, head down to Double Bay and hang out with our man, Tony. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, very nice, Armand. All right. <laughs> AFL 5, massive crowds, some unbelievable games. Especially that one on Friday night, it really, you know, the the crowd from Friday night was one of the loudest crowds I have ever heard. Even through the TV, you could hear it was ballistic. It was it was going ballistic. Three of the four games played at night. Uh, one played during the day, which was GWS in Sydney. Sorry, and uh, and St Kilda. And it was and it was still it, a big crowd. Was there, was there 68,000 there, Tony? Correct. Correct. So yeah. um, and, uh, I think there was um, – Collingwood played Melbourne Thursday night. Uh, the crowd number escapes me. And then – 92,000 something. Well, I was at the MCG Friday night for Carlton, Sydney, and there was 92,000 there. And the noise emanating from that ground was something I have never – witnessed in a long long time it was deafening and i mean deafening I, I don't even reckon the players would have been able to hear what was going on you don't know carton's known to be unbelievably loud when they play finals i always go back to that final that they played against richmond i think it was in 2011 i can't remember when it was a uh, while back was that the call the elimination final or qualif qualifying? yeah yeah i think it was a uh, i think it was a qualifying final yeah yeah so anyway, so you 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 were there for multiple occasions. What's it with this ninety-two thousand number? Are there other other eight thousands the AFR reserves and so on MTC members? Uh, I would have to assume it would be MCC rather than AFL. It's a, uh, and I'm just trying to equivocate. So for this Friday night's qualifying final, Carlton plays Melbourne. Tickets were sold out yesterday. Yeah. That's from an AFL perspective. So what we deem that to be um, would be every ticket the AFL has control over has been sold. So that means based on how many MCC members there might be, uh, I don't know, maybe somewhere between, at a guess, 15 to 20, maybe a little bit less. So whatever the AFL holds in their cachet, say 80,000s, has all gone. So if wow. there are holes in those seats, we suspect that it would come from the MCC. Yeah, so pretty much members not attending. So uh, because they said both games were sold out and they were both around the 92,000 mark. So 
Although we still have to take into consideration whether so tickets can be sold, but then people may not turn up. I don't think so. I think the the public tickets that the AFL has control. I, I think that would be full. I think it's more those MCC members. The, the MCC members? Yeah, I think they're the ones that don't rock up. Some of them, maybe older, older folks that can't yeah, make it. That's my um, presumption of the system in terms of, yes, it can be a sellout, but if there is 92, 93,000, that a portion of AFL and MCC members have not shown up on the day. All right, there you go. Interesting. Well, um, now, why... Yeah. No, you go. We had three huge uh, night games. We still don't have an AFL grand final that night. Wow, what a fantastic topic. Why is the AFL catering for a TV audience? They've had every final thus far bus bar GWS v the Saints, which was a twilight game on Saturday. Every other game has been played at night, and yet that final one day in September, the grand final, still played at daylight. Now, I've been a huge proponent of the day grand final. I think it's a tradition that has been set in stone for 100 years. I love it. People get up at the crack of dawn. They go to the MCG. The preparation is fantastic. The energy is palpable. People love it. But is it time that we have to seriously consider going to a twilight, if not grand final? It's, it's, it's a no-brainer, mate. <laughs> what are we still talking about it for? Yeah, but no, but why? Well, of course we're talking about it because people want to talk about it. And if the AFL puts it back on the agenda and says, should we have a night grand final? I think, as we discussed last week on Raw Sports on this very channel, that maybe we can entice greater acts from the United States if it is to be played at night. All right, so let's go through some, some of these, these night numbers, right? The first elimination final... Thursday, Collingwood and Melbourne. Oh, that was qualifying. Okay. The first final between Collingwood and Melbourne, we had it peaked at 1.41 million. Yeah. Viewers. Is that, you know, is that um, commercial or um, for, uh, pay TV as well? National audience on Channel 7. Well, that's different to... Yeah. Sorry? Commercial TV and streaming is different. Yes. So what we're saying is, yeah, this is Channel 7, right? Channel 7 is the free-to-air broadcaster. Even if it's – even the Fox Fox channels, they, how much do you think they're going to get? 250000 300000 max. No, more. All right. We'll come back and visit it then. But anyway, based on Channel 7's numbers, it peaked at $1.41 million. It had a reach – Nationally, of 3.18 million people nationally, right? Um, then you had the Carlton game. You had, it was viewed by 3 million people nationally. It had an average of 1.08 million people. That watching. is huge. Yeah. Then you had the Saturday night, Game Lions and Port Adelaide, it had a reach of 2.51 million viewers, and the average was 823,000. Right? So, yep. obviously, that those two teams are not that big, right? But, more of the story is you have Friday night, uh, you got Thursday night and Friday night games reaching 3 million people. What the? What do you say? Grand final will, will literally do at least. Let's say let's double, put another or potentially double. Yeah, let's let's put another fifty percent on that minimum, right? So it's, it's just a no-brainer. It just it just doesn't make sense, and I just don't understand why we're holding on to this so much, and it's just pushing every single other major tournament in the world is played. The final is played in the evening. Name one that isn't. No, no. I, I can't, what about the EPL? The the EPL doesn't work that way. There's no final. There's whoever finishes up the top, that's it. But the Champions League final is at night. Mm, okay. Well, maybe the AFL has to follow suit. And the other thing is, um, 
by extension of that, I'm glad that every final, barring Port Adelaide and Brisbane, has been played at the MCG. It's the home of football. And, look, I, I was probably... I think you and I discussed whether the Giants, excuse me, and St Kilda would potentially play at Marvel Stadium. I'm glad they didn't. There was 68,000 there on um, Saturday afternoon. That's pretty impressive, actually. I, I was quite quite taken back that, 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 they, that they got those, those sorts of numbers because... I would have thought they would have got 50 max, but they yeah. well, proved this wrong. I think it was very wise by the AFL to choose the MCG, and I was there, and it was loud. Like, I'm talking, there would have been, 5% of the crowd would have been giants, and the St Kilda supporters were loud. Like, and I'm talking, I was barracking for the giants, and there, oh, there was a lot of eyes on me. <laughs> Why are we barricading for the Giants? Oh, because I live in Sydney. They are just down the road. And I think they've got some superstars that um, that have shown up the competition. No other reason? Not that I can think of. <laughs> There's a lot of sarcasm in your voice. You're a character, Mr. Sheen. We keep going. Yeah, I mean, do you think you're Joe Rogan? <laughs> no, I'm just trying to be. Anyway... <laughs> Let's keep going. To Joe. Um, Ken, Ken Hinckley. Can he, can he do it? Can he beat G, GWS? Can he make good on his contract ex extension? Uh, it's a very good question, Ahmed, because Port Adelaide was... Were they bullied into making the decision on Hinckley's future? I don't know. How so? How? What? How can they be bullied? I don't, I don't understand. Where, they, where, where'd you get that one from? They lost to Brisbane by what? Six goals. All right, but how? But if, if when you use the term bullying, how? Why would they be bullied? I'm making the decision because of people like Kane Corns, who actively promotes Ken, Ken Hinckley in the media, and is his spokesperson. And that's not a criticism of Kane. That's just a matter of fact. So my point being, if Port Adelaide fails against GWS this Saturday and Ken Hinckley's first two finals since signing a contract extension result in a failure, why on earth has David Koch and the Port Adelaide board been convinced that he is deserving of another contract? Yes, Mate, they won 13 consecutive games, but the idea of football teams is to succeed in finals and if Hinkley can't take the club further than where they've gotten to, is he the right person for the job? So you think in today's world that the Port Adelaide board and their management team right, is being convinced by Kane Corns' five little words in the media. David Koch has been in the media his whole life, but he's been influenced by what Kane Corns has got to say on whether to extend his contract or not. Of course they are. The media oh, is one of the come most... come on, Tony. Armand, the media is one of the most... God's sake. Have you ever heard the term, own the media, You are, and you convince the public? All right, but the, the guy... Like, the guy, obviously, you, you can't extend the contract if there's no merit. You, what are you going to tell your members? Like, what are you going to tell your people? Forsted's got merits, but um, businesses, politicians, and sporting franchises use the media, if they're smart enough, to their benefit to manipulate the public's persona and then how they make decisions. I agree with you on that, but I don't believe the extension came as a result of that. I think part of it is. I, there's no doubt Ken Hinckley is a very good coach. But if his contract extension is based on them winning finals and he was given a contract extension for another two years with the ambition to take it through to a grand final and he goes out in straight sets, I reckon, and this is a prediction, that the Port Adelaide supporters are going to be up in arms come Saturday or Sunday of this week if they don't win over the Giants. I think they're going to lose. But anyway... All right. Whoa, don't bury yeah. the lead there, son. Why Why do you think that? Because the, the Giants are playing some very good football. Well, I'll tell you what, it is... On the road, they don't care. They no. smash the Saints. 
the Giants have won 11 games this year on the road, so they can win anywhere. Exactly. So, And their coach is a very good coach, very confident, and his players believe in him. Yeah, look, I think uh, coach of the year is down to Adam Kingsley and Michael Voss. I said this 100%. on this very channel that Michael Voss should be deemed coach of the year, and I now think it's down to him and Adam Kingsley. 100%. I definitely agree with you. Um, the commission has a couple of spots. Are you ready to put, to, to put your hand up or...? The commission? No, no, I've got a couple of board positions that I have to get through first before I go on the commission. I, I, I reckon you'd be a perfect suit for it, mate. You'd fit in right in there. Uh, I think I would upset the apple cart. I think I've got some very uh, lateral ideas for the commission. But the other thing is whether it be for the AFL commission, the NRL commission, an AFL board, an NRL board, Tennis Australia any sporting body in this country, they've got to start moving away from the 50, 60-year-old businessman who doesn't understand the future and what the public wants. Yes, they're incredibly business-minded. They're economical geniuses. They understand big business. But if you don't understand what people want and what the future holds, no point having an economics degree and running a football club I mean, we have had this conversation before. What what does the world run off? What's the fuel of the world, my friend? Uh, people. Money. <laughs> yeah. It makes the world go around. And at the end of the day, the league needs to be put itself in a position where it has the best people that can attract the most amount or the best amount of money to keep it kicking goals and moving forward. And that's what the, that's what the commission is built on. I no, I agree with that. But that's what my point being. Yes, there has to be somebody with an economics degree and or understanding of business practices. But if you don't know what people want, having these degrees is a waste of time. And that's why if you know what, the future holds and what people want, then having a business degree is going to be formidable. Yeah. I mean, it's good to have a mix. Like there's like, I'm all, all I'm all for that, but those key figures, those key business, big business people have to have an integral part of the commission. Yep. No, I agree. And there's, there are quite a few um, people on the commission that are, incredibly well business-minded. But my philosophy is I think they have to coincide with each other. You have to be business savvy, but also know what your customers want. There's no point having the best real estate in Burke Street or in, in Oxford Street in Sydney or in Fifth Avenue in New York and being business-minded if you don't know where your customers are coming from. So you're saying these people are too far away from what the average person lives and is interested in? I think some are, not all. Yeah. That's why okay. I think that the I, AFL... I, I could agree with you on that, actually. The AFL and its clubs need to start looking at younger people to take them forward. Uh, and look... My, they my, did. They did. Laura Kane. Uh, yes. Look, she may be younger... She may be experienced, and she's about to cop a bollocking from you and I. <laughs> she may still be the best person for the job, but her decision-making 11 days out from her appointment is mind-boggling. Tell us more. Um, I just want to digress for one moment. My only criticism of Gil McLaughlin is the AFL rights deal. He looked after Kerry Stokes and Rupert Murdoch. So Kerry Stokes being the owner of Channel 7, Rupert Murdoch being the owner of Foxtel and KO. And that why didn't Gil McLaughlin go down the American pathway and have YouTube as a third partner of the AFL? Well, this is the thing, right? If we're going to talk about AFL media rights... 
this is going to be a big conversation because I'm going to go into how the NFL is doing it, why they did it that way, and why it's been so so successful. But yeah, but um, what what couldn't the AFL follow suit? It was yes, I know he has a great relationship with Lachlan Murdoch. They're all friends, mate. They're all and, friends. That's why. No, it's not a real business decision. It's like, hey, give me a bit more than that one, and that's it. And yeah, just sign and move on. No, but you know what? I think it was great for the AFL and great for the broadcasters, but I don't think it was great for the public. Well, if if you look at the the um, the mix between the two, like the balance, there's still a lot of games that are free to air. I mean, most of the games are free to air. Fox has got a good chunk. Obviously, you get different commentary, different perspectives on Fox. Yeah. But, but Channel <clears throat> Seven is really like it's come up with the goods this year. They've they're they're really pushing many games free free to air in in many markets, in multiple markets. Obviously, each market sees different games based on the clubs and and so on where they come from. But I I don't think that's the problem. What's my, the problem? My issue is that you're having the same networks doing the same thing over and over again. Yes, it's all about bringing people to these networks, but why wouldn't you look at alternative avenues like, for example, the NFL has something called the Sunday Ticket, right, where all the games on Sunday are pretty much on now YouTube TV. That was a $2.5 billion deal. And you, what? You start to my question. Right, and then what you what you get with that is that what YouTube's done is that they're letting all YouTube users use that content to create alternative content on YouTube through YouTube Shorts to engage people. Now, hello, hello exactly our point. Exactly. So what that does is it pretty much now encourages people to go out there and talk more about the AFL, encourage conversation, encourage fan engagement. Get people more interested into into the AFL. That's not happening in Australia. We're so rigid and so stuck in seven Fox, Fox seven, seven Fox. Oh, we might we went to nine for 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 a period of time and ten, whatever. Rubbish. You're in 2023. You got streaming platforms that are more powerful than all those networks put together. Amazon Prime one being being one. Paramount through the kitchen sink. Don't give them everything because their A-League track record is rubbish, but give them something to, to get them into the game. Plant the seed. You know what I mean? Try to win different audiences all across the board. That's what I would do. I would have a package for each one and really make these big guys happy, make them spend it. Those that want it, make them pay. They'll pay. They want it, they'll pay, especially these big tech companies. They've got plenty of money. So... He went to New York and he did this and he did that. I don't know what he did in New York. I think he, he, he went and had bagels. I don't know. But <laughs> because well, he came back with the exact same outcome. Well, let's ask Gil McLaughlin. Now that he's finishing up, I think he's got three weeks to go on the top job. Let's get him on Raw Sports, Ahmed, and say, Gil, what did you do in New York? Did you only eat bagels? We'll leave it with you then. Make sure, make sure it happens, mate. No, but, but I'll, I'll, I would definitely ask him. I would start the interview asking him that same question. I'm not even joking. Well, uh, let's your point. I think it's a brilliant, and I think it has been mooted in the past, but it's a brilliant idea. Like, give as a hypothetical, give Thursday night Channel 9, Friday night Channel 7, Saturday Fox, and Sunday YouTube or Sunday Paramount. But, but that's why the NFL has a combined package of 12 points something billion dollars of tv rights a year yeah but because they have they have they have, have all all million. the major sorry man they have 330 million people in america but you're missing the point tony now i'm about to put you in the gil mclaughlin basket that's not the point here the point is the diversification of media rights and the engagement of these networks is going to get you the investment you need to to do more that's the point here. I agree with you. Yes. Now, I'm just giving you a comparison of what the actual numbers are, not not to label, the, not to highlight the 12 billion. No, it's to highlight where the 12 billion is coming from. And I'm about to read them out to you right now. 
give me a second, I'll pull it right up. I'm about to shoot it off. You have number one, you got you got ESPN, right? Yep. And on ESPN, you got 2.7 billion. On CBS, you got 2.3 billion. On Fox, you got 2.1 billion. On NBC, you got two two billion for, for Sunday night. The Sunday ticket on YouTube is two billion. And then you got on 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 Prime on Thursday night is one point two billion. Do you yeah. see you see what's happening here? Yeah, that is yeah, that's fantastic. It's a mix of old and new. And they've got Monday night is ESPN, that's the two point seven. The CBS is I'm pretty sure the Sunday stream or an aspect of the Sunday. Fox has got the like all all the main Sunday day games. Sunday night is NBC. It's two billion alone Sunday night a year. So look at the, the so this is the creativity that the the NFL is bringing to the table. That's why they're the most grossed league in the world. More they generate more revenue here than than FIFA, literally. Yeah, and and the other thing is, which correct me if I'm wrong, but the NBA did a deal for its final series to have. Their broadcasters uh, might have been TNT on Fox or ESPN, and they had YouTube as their replay rights. I think that just for the finals. Now, why couldn't the AFL do something similar to bring in a new audience? So many people I know from the ages of five to fifty are now getting the majority of their information from social media, and the kids of today and tomorrow are glued to YouTube. Yeah, well, uh, TikTok. Well, um, the NFL has like a, a slime game where they they do the touchdown area. It's green slime and all that theme, some SpongeBob theme, but they do just to attract kids. They do that a few times a year. I think once once a year with all this AR animation and so on. They have different streams just focused on kids, right? That kids can watch. They have streams that are Pretty much ESPN does this. They have streams that are that have in the commentary box the Manning brothers. Like like they get creative, they do things differently. We have the same old stuff year after year after year. The only thing the AFL has done is they have their champion data that they've built over the years. They've got us more data. And obviously some some of the streaming through the uh through ko and fox and that's not even afl that's fox yeah but the, the creativity here at the moment is dead oh i couldn't agree with you more and i was actually yeah. um i think you and i were discussing this yesterday in person in melbourne and i have been disappointed with both well, well particularly with channel seven their special comments people are telling us what we see on the screen, and there's no enthusiasm. I mean, some of our commentators lack enthusiasm, and that's why I think I, I wish that there was better commentators and special comments people coming through because we lack excitement in a lot of our calling. Brian Taylor's the, the most exciting caller on, on TV, in my oh, opinion. Hey. I'd say BT would be my number two, but Anthony Hudson would be my number one. Yeah, well, yeah, sure. I, well, can, I can I can work with that, but 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 the rest, yeah. Oh no, there's a bloke called Alistair Nicholson on Channel Seven, who's just started. Who I think um, began in the ABC, began on the ABC, and is now doing some games for Seven. I think he is fantastic. And and the young lady who replaced the the duck, I'm uh, I'm, I'm very very sorry, but her expert. The commentary is not very, very expert-like at all. It's very simple stuff. Literally, what you just said is what is being errated by her. Literally. Oh, so look, We're talking about Daisy Pierce. Look, yeah. I slightly oppose your view. I think her insights are fantastic, but I don't think she delivers it with any enthusiasm. Oh, I actually don't see anything special about her insights, but anyway. Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't we throw up to the fans, and they can email us at... Give them the Cont email address. Contact at rawsport.com.au. Yeah, I'll tell you what you and I are going to do. In the next 
seven days to two weeks, you and I are going to put together our lists of commentators and media figures and name them one to ten. Done. So Perfect. So that will be commentators in terms of game-by-game analysis, special comments people, game-by-game analysis, and then also um, journalists, both written and television. So we're going to do three separate lists, and then people can come in and scream at us or agree with us. Let's keep going. Um, Laura Kane uh, already making her mark on the game. What are your thoughts after her actions in, in regards to the Maynard incident? Yeah, well, let's just, um, well, I suppose you'd have to be living on Mars if you lived in Australia and didn't realise uh, Collingwood player Braden Maynard is uh, potentially looking at a three-week ban on the sidelines for attempting to smother Melbourne's Angus Brayshaw last Friday and whilst jumping in the air to smother the ball has landed awkwardly and inadvertently knocked Angus Brayshaw out. Now, look, Laura Kane has been in the job, what, two weeks? Has, yeah, over- has overruled the match review officer, Michael Christian, and has sent Braden Maynard directly to the tribunal, which is looking at a three-week ban automatically. Now, as I said earlier in the program, Ahmed, I don't discount Laura Kane being the best person for the job of head of general manager for the AFL. But you and I forecast this, that considering that her position as a woman, I'm not being a misogynist or sexist, but that she hasn't taken into consideration those on the ground and she's doing it purely from a political point of view is really, really disappointing. And you and I act verbaled this last week and said we fear for the future of the game. And look, we're one week in and this is what Miss Kane's done. Yeah, we, we've been proven right very, very quickly. Um, going to be this quick. No, no, it's happened really, really quickly. And it's, and it's good because, I mean, that's what fans are here for anyway, to pretty much listen to our, our thoughts. And when, when we're right, that gives us definitely a boost. Um, it's very disappointing to see where this game is heading. And I'm and I'm genuinely concerned. As you know, yesterday we, we caught up with, with a few, few others as well that we, we will not name or mention. And the concern is widespread. And it's not because of who's appointed or what. It's the whole approach. It's the AFL now is becoming this very, very political, soft game that is has to stand up for these so-called royal causes that 99% or say 95% of the country doesn't even agree on. It's just these corporate executives, they're getting into these positions and they're impacting sport with, in my opinion, negatively because the common person, like we said before, the gap between the common person and these executives is getting larger every single day. But what's going to happen is they're going to start to realise that when people's kids are not playing AFL anymore, when people are not coming and watching the games, which they they pretty much realised last year, it was a big issue. These young people are not really coming to the games like they should, like they used to. We grew up loving the AFL. In today's world, there's so many distractions and other things that they can that they can love, and I don't think they're they're helping their cause. If if I'm going to be honest with you, yeah, no arguments for me, and I'm just really disappointed at the current state of the game, and I'm worried for the future of the game. Oh, well, we have to keep going. Um, will Collingwood take the fight to the, to the High Court, Tony? I think they will, if they have yeah, to. They will. Oh, look, um, my philosophy is, like big business, people negotiate outcomes. So has the AFL turned around and said, look, we are going to send Braden Maynard to the tribunal, and they might talk to uh, Collingwood President Jeff Brown and its CEO Craig Kelly and say, look, this is the way we'd like the outcome to progress. We're going to give him three weeks. You can have your best lawyers come in. You can oppose this in the high court. And then Braden Maynard could potentially get off. Do you know something, Tony? David Mundy was on a show, I think, this morning. On 6PR. I think it might have been yesterday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, 
well, there you go. He said something interesting though, Tony. He goes, if that was Scott Pendlebury, would he had would he have landed the same way? Yeah. But uh, what's your insinuation here? Ah, uh, it's bullshit, mate. What do you mean we landed the same way? The goal was in the middle of the sky. What, what do you want him to do? Does he have what? Does, does he have a cape on? <laughs> whether, I, whether we like Braden Maynard or not, he's not a cat. You can't twist in midair. Anyway, yeah, it's just. It's diabolical. <laughs> well, that's one way to put it, yes. Anyway, look, let's just hope the best outcome wins, whether that be – I think, I think you know what, personally, I think Maynard should get off, but who knows. There's a new king of the world, buddy. His name is Novak Djokovic. No buts about it. He's, he's – Where's your tennis racket in the background? Where's the what? Where's your tennis racket? It's coming. It's, it's this bloke way. is – like almost my greatest of all time across every sport. What he's had to endure, maybe Muhammad Ali has had to go th- through something similar. Ooh. No. No. Yeah. No. But you know you, Okay. Well, who is better than... Hey, no, hey, but you, you've been bringing up this Muhammad Ali cause, like, like it's, it's, it's buying candy. He went through one or two years of adversity. The other guy, God bless his soul, was living for years in some of the most racist times in American history. Apartheid. Sorry? With apartheid. Yeah. So the big difference, you, you can't just say that. You can't say that loosely, mate. It's no, no. Big I, difference. I don't profess to know what Muhammad Ali went through. Yes, He's possibly the greatest athlete of all time. Up there with Cristiano Ronaldo and Michael Jordan and Babe Ruth and Deion Sanders and, you know, others. Messi, Pelé, Maradona. But the modern-day situation which Novak Djokovic has faced in foreign countries. He was banned from the US. He was thrown out of Australia. He wasn't allowed to do anything based on... A vaccination, which he chose very wisely to deny himself. And look what he's been able to do. He has just superseded Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer to win the most Grand Slams of any male player on the planet of all time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you put it, when you put it that way, it's definitely, it's definitely, he's, he's definitely the greatest, one of the greatest... Athletes of our time, yes, for sure. Uh, of our time, of all time. Yeah, I mean, when you put him with with all those greats, yes. But as I reckon, he's the greatest of our time. But of all time, no. Well, look, you know what? I think he's an absolute superstar. He beat Daniel Medvedev to win the U.S. Open on Sunday night, and he broke down in tears. And uh, kissed the floor of Flushing Meadow at the court of, uh, I think it's Arthur Ashe Stadium. Ahmed, you're the US guru. Yeah. So big, big ups to uh, my man Novak, and we look forward to seeing well, him in, in Melbourne in January. Well, well he, has, he hasn't been there in a, in a couple of years. So Where? he missed that. Yeah, he's 36 years old. Yeah, because, no, no, I'm saying he wasn't allowed in the US for, for, for a few years. Yes. So that's why he probably kissed it. He missed it. Like he wanted to be there, he felt just a, a big sense of relief. Yeah, there's the headline. There you go. Um, Coco Golf, 19 year old, won the USA, the US Open women's tournament. There was a video going around social media Coco, young little girl dancing in the stands in, in the US, uh, in the US Open, and now at the age of 19, she's she's won the US Open, she's been labeled as the next. Serena and Venus Williams, um, and the sky's the limit. My only concern in today's world, if you look at all these young athletes that have risen quickly at, at a young age, mentally they've broken down by their mid-20s and they're ready to quit. Yeah, well, give me an example. Ash Barty. Jennifer Capriati. Uh, what's Caroline, that? Caroline Wozniacki. M. Emma Emma Radanku, the, the... Oh, Rodica now, the British girl. 
Yeah, she was meant to be the next. Yeah, and then she just broke down. Cobra. Who? Anna Kornikova. Ah, uh, she was from an older, older generation. I'm talking no, but, about. But, but still, they they haven't lived out their potential. Yeah. Burnout as a twenty-something-year-old tennis star. Yeah, exactly. True. And this one's only nineteen, so we, we we hope that she can stay focused, and we hope she doesn't fall into that same category because there's definitely greatness destined for her if she, if she can persevere and get through. Yeah, and, and also for our fans who haven't seen the video, her opponent Arena Sabalenka, who won the Australian Open. After her loss to Coco Goff at the US Open, she walked into the women's change rooms, pulled out one of her rackets, and began to smack it on the ground. She was so upset with herself and then slammed it into the rubbish bin. Wow, very, very, very feisty. Well, for all of our Raw Sports fans, we'll throw that up on the um, on the repeat of our YouTube video. Done. All right, um, let's keep going. NFL launched last week. We spoke about it. We said the Chiefs should smash the Lions. The Lions beat them by one point. Would you believe it? I actually didn't get to see that, but what a fantastic opening for the NFL season. One point. Couldn't believe it. The Lions finished last last year. Well, well you, you couldn't. Understanding. What's your man Patrick Mahomes doing? I don't know. He. I don't know. I'm surprised that... I genuinely thought that the Chiefs would knock them out of the park. But it always happens. The year a team wins, the next year after their championship win, for some reason, there's, there's always this lull and this what's it called. So I, I think that I think the Chiefs are going to have a bloody year off. But like, get, like Geelong in the AFL. Yeah, exactly. Failed to make the finals. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, did, you, did you get to see much of the action, mate? Uh, the NFL? Yeah. No, I, I, to, from memory, I didn't get to see any. There you go. As usual with the NFL, record ratings in terms of yep. TV. The top 50 most viewed telecasts in, in the US are all NFL. Uh, there's a few others that will get a spot here and there in the top 100. It's a very dominant sport and it comes back to the reasons behind the strategy that we spoke about earlier. Um, about having the different networks, different audiences engaged and so on and so on and constantly innovating and producing the goods. But there's there's a game one as we speak um, and uh, we hope the game at MetLife Stadium can get going because they had some really bad weather. Um, Where is MetLife Stadium? Sorry? Where is MetLife Stadium? The New York, uh, what's it called? New York, um, oh my. Blank. Gary V's favorite team. What? Aaron Aaron Rodgers just went there. Literally, it's his first game. I'll be with them. What? Um, oh. Not the, the not the Nets. Oh. The Giants? No, not the Giants. They're rivals. I don't know. I've just gone blank. Not the New, New England York. Jets. No, 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 no. New York Jets. <laughs> we forget that. I don't know. He just slipped my mind. Anyway, so. Um, hopefully that game can can get going and they they, they, they can move on. Yeah, we will keep moving. Yep. Um, Australian World Cup cricket, Australia cricket. We're talking about cricket again, and we're talking about Australia. Wow. what's happening in the world of Australian? Well, it's not my favourite right? sport, but um, maybe you can give us an update, mate. If you're going to rely on me to, to give you an update, I have no idea when it comes to cricket. Well, so, I did read in the papers this morning that Ricky Ponting had voiced concerns over uh, former Australian coach Justin Langer taking up a role in the EPL with the Lucknow Giants so soon after his uh, exit from the Australian cricket coaching position. But... Well, why is it, it such a surprise? Uh, well, I don't know. It's only what Ricky Ponty said. Look, it's only an opinion. They work together on Channel 7. Um, I don't know. Maybe they're just filling new space. IPL, big money. I think it's eight weeks. Why wouldn't you take it? It's, it well, keeps him busy. Look, there, there are three players that uh, had a very rough time with Justin Langer. And from what I've heard personally, that Langer was a 
a very good coach, but the three players who were against his methodology um, swung the uh, the power of favour and then had him removed. How, how well has has Australia done since since he's gone? Uh, well, not very. What did it tell you? That the athletes of today and tomorrow potentially have too much say. It's a big problem right now. It's a yep. very big problem across all forms of the game. Big all problem. All forms of society. Sorry, sport. Yeah, all forms of sport. Well, sorry. All forms of society as well. Yeah. So we're seeing this really soft approach, weak approach. Um, very pampered approach where things, if we don't like things, we don't have to do them. No more, it's it's not about hard work anymore, pushing through barriers, getting things done and achieving great things. It's like everything now is, is in cruise control, which pretty much means, as they say, hard men create soft times, soft men create hard times. So we're probably going to... A lot into, that, that can be part of our shorts. Yeah, I think we're about to go into some very, very hard times. But yeah. anyway, we'll keep going. NRL, Stormstart, Ryan, Pappenhausen, I said it correctly, thank God, um, breaks down again with a leg injury. The Storm got smashed on the weekend as well, so that probably is, wouldn't have been um, too good as well, having him getting, you know, also being being, being, being injured and hurt. So that, that doesn't help their cause at all. What are, what are your thoughts, mate? This guy, can't, he Look, can't catch a break. This It's really hard to watch. Pappenhausen is an absolute star for the Melbourne Storm. Him and Cameron Munster hold that team together, and he's just come off a 12-month absence due to a yep. knee injury. He, I think he played in second or third game back, and his lower leg was shattered in the game on the weekends. And the, not only the dismay showed by Pappenhausen, you know, sucking on the green whistle to try and get some... Um, medicine into him, but also Coach Craig Bellamy just looked like he knew his season maybe crumbling before his eyes. I would hate to think that Pappenhausen's played his last game because it could determine so many other factors, obviously in terms of the storm success and whether Bellamy will hang around knowing that one of his fantastic playmakers may never see the inside of a stadium again. They talk about Bellamy hanging around and leaving every single year if anybody if, if feels like. I mean, where's he going to go? The greatest coaches of all time. He is, but he's not going nowhere, mate. Well, it, look, anything can change. We didn't think Damien Hardwick was going to leave either. Yeah, actually, in in today's Victoria, any, anything's possible. Oh, there you go. We'll keep going. AFLW is on, ladies and gentlemen. B believe it or not, they're definitely the season's in full force. Um, there was a goal from 85 metres out at Icon Park. Who kicked the goal, Tony? Um, her name is... Was it Danielle? Uh, I yeah, can't help well, you, mate. Anyway, look, I sh we should know this. It was at Icon Park on the weekend, and it was literally from the centre bounce area at Icon Park, which is the, the stadium out in Carlton where the Blues train. Amazing goal. So congratulations. Fantastic. Thank you. Well done. Well done. Um, the head of the Spanish FA has helped Louis, Louis. Louis Rubiales. Louis Rubiales was doing an interview with Mr. Piers Morgan himself and announced he will be resigning. That is huge. Yeah. Well, it's been a been, – look, you know what? I'm not saying it's a month overdue, but maybe ooh, ooh, ooh. pressure. Ooh. And uh, he's fallen on his sword because I think it was going to affect not only Spanish football, but the world game. So somebody had to take and a Why fall. do you think it's a, month, it's a month overdue? Well, because the World Cup finished a month ago. It happened a month ago. So something had to give. Obviously, pressure from a higher power. Has did, you know, did you know he's the vice president of UEFA also? No, I didn't know that. So he's yeah. come to pressure. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, look, honestly, I don't really have many opinions on this on this act because I don't know enough. I don't know what their past is. I don't know. Like, I I don't have enough context 
But anyway, if he did kiss her, he shouldn't have kissed her. Um, especially well, Pastor. He kissed him. What if it was consensual? I don't know. That's that's what I'm well, saying. I don't know. Right. No one can be convinced that it was right or wrong. I know what I don't understand is why didn't he do it to any, any other girl? Like, why did he do it just to her? Yeah, well, I think that was one of the questions asked. That's what I don't get it. Like, it just doesn't make sense, the whole thing. Did he have something for her? Has he had a fling with her in the past? I don't know. It's just really weird. The whole thing is just really, really weird, and I just don't, don't understand why he did what he did, just just only to her. Yeah, no, no one may never know. All right. Uh, just like we do, this pretty much brings us to, to the end. Long show. Lots to talk about. Well, we did speak a lot about many, especially the AFL conversation has been dominating our our podcast in recent weeks because of the AFL finals. But it's always a pleasure, Mr. Sheehan. And like I do every single week, I like to end with some words of wisdom from, from yourself. Can you leave us with some words of wisdom, buddy? I can. Ken Hinckley, win this week or the Wolves will be banging down the door. Wow. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. There's some uh, there's some interesting interesting games this weekend. Keep an eye out, watch them, and we'll catch you all. Actually, we're going to catch you all on Thursday, 10 a.m. on YouTube Live. Take care, everyone. Goodbye.